Here I've come, I won't be long Just to ask what you should know There's this land down below No hope in my soul There's no feeling, this world's too cold Here I lie and watch the stars Feel I'm dreaming all my life Here's the love I Welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loizel, and with me today is my co-host, Mark Salcedo. Hey, Mark. Hi. So I have to tell you a story. Okay, what's the story? Remember that one dream you had? You were in college. Uh-huh. You were really trying to pay attention in class. Mm. Tom Cruise was there, though. <laughs> Yeah. And he I, kept making that noise. Hey, what was the noise? Yeah. Like, hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> okay. He turned a little Wayne. <laughs> Tom Cruise with a voice of little Wayne. <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right, go on. Do you know what he was really trying to say? <laughs> when he what? Was... <laughs> Translate for me, please. He was giving you the life lesson of there's nothing less erotic than an actor <laughs> looking for work. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> That's Tom Cruise always looking for work. <laughs> That's why <what, laughs> he was telling me while I was in my dream when I'm in college. He just leans over. Hey, hey. <laughs> Translation. <laughs> Hi, everybody. So, um... You know, if you aren't scared away already, <laughs> um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Real Appeal with two E's and real. And you can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. And if you would be so kind as to review us on iTunes. Give us some five star reviews. Nom, nom, nom. Nom, nom, nom. Nom. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. This week we're doing the news. Our recent review is Nobody Knows I'm Here, which is also in Spanish called Nadie Sabe Que Estoy Aquí. Shit, I couldn't even say that. My last name is Salcedo. <laughs> <laughs> um, Variety Time is going to be a Superficial Help on a Slippery Slope. Mm, that's going to be a good topic. Yeah. Uh, geriatric Cinematic is Bad Education, not... Oh yeah, Hugh not, Jackman yeah one? not the Hugh Jackman one that that came out 2019. That's no, no, no. Uh, Pedro Almodovar. Yeah, the 2004 mm-hmm. uh, movie. And our topic this week is self identity through a fucked up prism. So, uh, Mark, I know you love Pirates of the Caribbean. You want to? <laughs> <laughs> I have never, I've never seen the last Pirates of the Caribbean. I heard it was god awful. I didn't either, actually. Yeah. However, um, Margot Robbie. Is teaming up, sorry, teaming up with Christina Hudson um, for a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Um, looks like uh, Robbie, who worked with uh, Hudson, who is the writer of Birds of Prey, and she's done work. I think she's doing work on The Flash as well. Um, she did Bumblebee too. Oh, that's right. I heard that spinoff was dope, and I still have not seen it. I haven't either. Um, so they're doing a pro- so they're doing a new Pirates of the Caribbean, but this one's going to be separate from the other Pirates of the Caribbean movie that's going to be written by Ted Elliott and Chernobyl creator uh, Craig Mezins. Um, the, I, I, I remember hearing talks 
about whether or not they were going to do another Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Plus, like, there's the whole Johnny Depp stigma or stank that's on these movies now because of his issues with his Amber uh, Heard, Amber Heard, and their whole toxic relationship. Um, so I'm mildly curious because I remember I remember the first one being fun, just being a lot of fun. And the second one was like, all right. And the third one was like, all right, we're kind of done with this story. Um, but like they did, I, I think they did two more. I think they did two more after. One, I, I barely remember. And another one, you can tell it was the couple in that one was supposed to be like the Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley type characters or something mm-hmm. like that. But I, I haven't watched it. I heard it was god awful. What I don't understand is it's like, I feel like this is a DC slash Warner Brothers thing to do mm-hmm. is you have a franchise already set up mm-hmm. and then you make a spinoff thing that nobody asked for. <laughs> yeah. And then that spinoff thing flops and then everyone loses faith in the thing that was going to be the big thing. Mm-hmm. Why did it? Why are they doing this? Money. That's it. Money. Um, I, like I said, like it's weird to do it at the same time. Yeah. I Okay. So I, 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 I don't think this is necessarily a bad idea because, like I said, it's they got two in the work. Chernobyl was a great show, um, so I'm curious about that. And then the fact that Christina Hudson is she's like the go-to person. Like people are like asking for her, demanding her work. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking it might be on the right track. I think this one is the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. It made like all five films made like 4.5 billion dollars. And Disney wants all the money. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, I guess they just want to see what's going to happen. Because, you know, we, we've been in for like 10 years where it's just like franchise building upon franchise building and just keeping that shit going. So maybe maybe that's why they're doing it. Like I said, I'm mildly curious. But if, if it never gets off the ground, I ain't losing any sleep. I mean, me too. But I'm curious because I like Margot Robbie. Yeah. She's a great actress. I love her. Yeah. Um. I have some good news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Twister <laughs> is going to be reboot uh, with Universal, um, and Joseph Kaczynski might direct it. Mm, okay. I don't know who Joseph Kaczynski is. You've never seen Tron Legacy? Yeah, I have. That's his. That's his movie. Oh. Yeah. The only thing cool about that movie is like the light bike scenes. That's it. <laughs> Everything else is just like. It was very unimpressed. I remember that. <laughs> I remember th- there's a Tron. There was a Tron animated show called Tron Uprising mm-hmm. that Disney did. That was like for three seasons. That shit was dope. That, that should have been the Tron Legacy movie. Mm. It was actually really fucking good. It told the story before Tron Legacy, but after the first Tron of like how, I don't know, evil Jeff Bridges took over. <laughs> um so variety got information that universal pictures is developing a reboot of twister which came out in 1996 um it is actually i think one of the last times that i saw helen hunt oh okay like because she was real hot back then and all of a sudden she was gone and now she's mm-hmm. almost unrecognizable and she's doing that Mad About You TV reboot that I don't know if oh, it ever got yeah. off the ground or not. Uh, from what I heard, Paul, Reis- Paul Reiser said that like they're still working on it. I never watched Mad About You. I'm very familiar with the show, but I've never checked it out. Same. I think I I think my mom used to watch it and I never really was too young to really want to pay attention to mm-hmm. it. Um, 
So I'm actually excited about this. Um, <laughs> the movie that you actually saw and actually remember. And remember, I love that movie. Come on. <laughs> um, that and Volcano. <sighs> do you, okay, do you remember a time in the late 90s and early aughts where there was like one movie that came out and there was like another version of that movie? Yeah, like Dante's Peak, and then there was Volcano. Honestly, Volcano was a much better movie than Dante's Peak was. I remember there was Deep Impact. Oh, and then there was like another one with like... um, I think Deep Impact had Morgan Freeman. There was two movies about like asteroids or some shit like Mm -hmm. that. I I, I can't remember the name. Armageddon? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, there you go. Deep Impact and Armageddon. I think it's Deep Impact and Armageddon. Oh, no. Okay, now I remember. Yeah, there's Deep Impact and Armageddon. And then there's another one about, like, going to the center. One movie was called, like, The Core. Oh, yeah. And another one was, like, another movie about going to the center of the earth. Mm-hmm. Like, they were just doing this shit where just like, hey, I just saw that movie. I'm watching it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I feel like the one that ended it all was mm. The Day After Tomorrow. Like, it was the last oh. disaster movie. Yeah, that's the... that's the, Okay, Roland, there's a director, Roland Emmerich. He, like, built his career off of, like, disaster porn. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> um... Oh, like actual disaster porn, or you're calling it that? You no, know, it's it, yeah, it, it was a, it was a genre, a subgenre called disaster porn. Like, the the day after tomorrow, um, Deep Impact and stuff like that. Uh, Roland Emmerich directed Independence Day. Like, mm-hmm. he had, he did a movie called, like, 20, 2012, Really stupid movie. Oh, yeah. No, I know that one came out. I didn't want to watch it because I thought it looked dumb. Oh, it was so And yeah. that came out before 2012. And then 2012 passed yeah. by and everyone's like, okay. Yeah, I guess that didn't happen. Yeah, like, okay, Roland Emmerich. Ooh, Jesus Christ, I forgot. He did. He did that Godzilla movie. That 1998 Godzilla movie. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, okay. So Roland Emmerich did, like, Day After Tomorrow. He did Independence Day. I did, like, Day After Tomorrow, though. I thought that ending was so dumb. It was like everything was so bad and atrocious. It was just like, well, how are they going to end this movie? Oh, it's just the, it's, the thing just stopped. All right. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I mean, it is weather. Mm-hmm, yeah. So weather stops. And what else did he do? And then there's that really, what's that fucking dumbass movie? The name just escaped me right now. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. No, no. Okay. 2012. Um, 2012. That movie ended so dumb. I think like. I thought you said you didn't watch that one. No, I did. I saw that one. Oh. I think that movie ended with, like, all the continents kind of, like, forming back into, like... Pangea. Pangea. (laughs) And, like, they survived on a submarine or some shit like that. For some reason, I keep thinking, like, they got blasted off into space, but I might might have been, like, some fever dream or some shit I was Uh. in. So, yeah, uh, Frank Marshall. (laughs) I know. We're just going on a tangent. (laughs) Disaster porn tangent. (laughs) Frank Marshall, who did Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, Assassin's Creed, and the Bourne films, um, he's going to produce it, mm-hmm. and the studio is meeting with writers to make the script. So it's still kind of like in the very, and it's like infancy. Infancy. Um, uh, Twister had a super thin plot. Yeah. It like there was, and then there was like his current wife, who was like. Not in the Oh, no, that was his chasing. fiance. Oh, yeah, yeah, was yeah. his fiance, and Helen Hunt, his current wife, was trying to get divorced. It was bringing him to the divorce papers. Yeah. And she had a role with him. And apparently there was, like, the main... 
I guess like the MacGuffin was they were trying to get like those those little sensor balls. balls yeah to like read weather and shit like that yeah. and when that movie came out for a hot minute you would see tornado chasers and hurricane yeah, on the weather channel yeah yeah, yeah they still that. have that do they and i did want to be a storm chaser too for like a minute was it because of twister that might have had a hand <laughs> in it hey you know what everybody wanted to be an ar- archaeologist when they saw indiana jones so it happens i miss that boat I did want to be an archaeologist, so when I was younger too. Yeah, but that was like, but Indiana Jones didn't influence you on that. You like legitimately want to be an archaeologist, right? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I wanted to be everything. Okay, I wanted to be a stunt car driver. <laughs> That'd have been so cool. Why don't you do it? Do it. Do it. I had my fun getting my car airborne on the way to school in the morning. <laughs> that was all the stunts you needed. Yeah. Um, Taika Waititi. Yeah. Okay. So. Takwa Titi, his, um, his Peaky Films is developing uh, indigenous projects about colonization. This is dope. I'm really curious about these films that um, his company is putting together. It's uh, Takwa Titi and Catherine, Catherine Nails. Carthu? <clears throat> sorry, Carthu Nails Production Company. Uh, Peaky Films is embarking three projects with uh, Moi writers from New Zealand. I like this. Um, I've checked out a f- quite a few New Zealand uh, works of cinema over the years their film filmmaking is actually really interesting because it's like realistic with a hint of like fantasy in some cases mm-hmm. um perfect point is uh let's say Takao Titi's uh hunt for the world of people that's a great film uh, there's his love of comedy but with so serious natures into it um so the first one that they're going to seem to be having off the ground is by uh tina mccready's uh, novel the imaginary lives of james Bonke. Uh, it's an adaptation. The story is about a teen who shows up in London, 1840. Uh, it's supposed to be like a live exhibit uh, amongst Maori artifacts. Um, and he kind of like, he gets into like, he enjoys the attention, gets into the hedonism of London, but soon discovers he cannot get past labeled as a savage. That's interesting. There's one here that looked really fucking interesting. Um, it's called Better, Better the Blood. Okay. So that one is about an obsessive Maori detective as she hunts down an indigenous serial killer revenging the wrongs of New Zealand's colonizers. Mm-hmm. To me, uh, that sounds like a cross between um, that one Robert Downey Jr. movie. Which one? The one, the one, oh, Sherlock Holmes. It's okay. like, to me, a cross of like Sherlock Holmes and... Um, Seven? No, the one Jordan Peele movie that we really liked. Uh, uh, not get out. Us? Yeah. Okay. Like, I, I feel like it. it'll be weird, kind of weird like mm. that, mm. but also like kind of, um, quirky, like, mm. like, um, Sherlock Holmes. Why can't I talk right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, I don't really see it. I mean, cause they're like, <laughs> that is like, yo, this is a crime thriller. <laughs> so yeah, but, like, but you know him and he does mm kind of quirky stuff that doesn't seem too yeah, weird. Yeah, true. I mean, they don't they haven't said if if who's going to direct it if it is, if it is going to be what I mean, he of course he can use a jump on it if he wants to. Um but my guess is that he's going to like let other um excuse me if I'm getting this wrong. I think it's Kiwi um uh, Kiwi directors mm-hmm. like attach on attached onto it like he's this this production company is trying to bring in like the whole New, Ze- New Zealand stories and lifestyle and stuff like that it would be nice to see because i honestly have no idea anything about people from there 
Because mm. anyone who says that he's indigenous, I don't see it. What did he? Yeah, I don't see it. Like, I don't mm. see it. I see he doesn't even sound like he has a thick accent at all. He's got a mm. humor like like modern day times. Yeah. You know, like he's in movies. Like, mm. I, I don't, it's not connecting for me. So I want to see. <clears throat> I got to, I got to introduce some of, some of those movies. Um, his, like, oh, like, okay, for example, like if I show you Hunt for the Wilder People, mm. totally get it. it. I mean, it's his style, but you doubt that's like an easy kind of like foot into that door. Cause some of the shit gets like really dark and fucked up. Yeah. But it's like a strong message mm. that goes behind him. So, I'm pretty... Oh, here we go. Okay, yeah. So I'm pretty stoked about checking out these films. Um, if anybody's worried about the track record, I mean, these are the people who got behind Jojo Rabbit, which mm. is like an Oscar-winning film. Yeah. So I, they, I these stories are going to be in good hands, and I think they're obviously not going to be whitewashed. <laughs> yeah, good. So pretty happy about that. But you said, um, when you said about it being about colonization, mm-hmm. all I could see was um, Surrey in my head calling people <laughs> yeah, colonizers. Yeah, colonizer. Stop colonizer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Ozark. Ozark. The happy, happy show. Yeah, super happy. <laughs> um, it's ending with a huge season four. Um, they're actually going to split it up into two parts. Mm. Netflix announced that... Um, it's, they're gonna call, they're calling it supersized. It'll run fourteen episodes instead of the show's usual ten. Um, so it'll be seven and then seven. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't say when it would air, but it will be the end of the show um, and the Bird family's journey from suburban Chicago life to their criminal enterprise in the Ozarks. Okay, <laughs> this annoys the fuck out of me. Okay, it's season four. 14 episodes but they're splitting it in two so why don't you just call season four season five and just make them shorter <laughs> that's because like you're obviously not you know netflix's model is they release all the episodes in one sitting mm-hmm. okay so they're gonna be split in two parts so i'm sure season the first half is gonna be released one week and maybe like a month later, we'll get the second half. Yeah. So just call it two, just say two fucking seasons and just be like, we just shorten it. <laughs> what the, f- let's do that. You know, it's streamers. Who knows what they do? It's so dumb. That's so dumb. I mean, it is dumb and it's kind of like, then it makes you wonder mm-hmm. if they're expanding the, the last season, air quotes, and they're splitting it in half. Mm-hmm. Are they cramming things in to those seven episodes? Or are they actually doing it justice by expanding it? Like to 14. I don't know. They probably like... I mean, because, yeah, their normal thing is 10 episodes. They probably they probably had like 10. And they were like trying to push to have like another 10. Just to kind of complete... Just to have it complete. Mm-hmm. And they... Whoever, who like... Uh, what's his name? Um, the Bateman. Jason Bateman. I want to say Patrick Bateman. Uh, Jason Bateman was probably like, yeah, we can't like pull anymore. We we don't want to because I know every episode they don't do filler episodes, so they were probably just like, we can't do filler episodes. We can't do ten. Yeah. So we'll just do fourteen. Call it super size. But you're not releasing the you're not releasing the season on like when it's released. You're releasing one half and the other half. Mm -hmm. It's like that Game of Thrones bullshit. You know, yeah. we got two, you know, we got the final season, but we're splitting it in half. It's going to be eight episodes, 
four episodes a season. Yo, just do fucking one season then, man. <laughs> so annoying. But um, I'm actually, I'm glad they're actually they're ending it mm-hmm. because that family has been very lucky, <laughs> super lucky. You know, except they killed my guy. Oh, spoilers! Shh. They don't know which guy. Yeah, I know, but you know, I want to stop before you go there. <laughs> yeah, that was that man. I like that guy. I know I like he's a guy. great actor. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, I enjoyed the last season. What, what did you, I, we never talked about it on the show? But what did you think about the last season? I really liked it. I think they expanded more. Mm-hmm. First of all, I, I thought they started off kind of whiny. I was really kind of tired of Jason Bateman, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, and then he. Um, you kind of get into the why of who they are. Mm-hmm. That's what I liked because, mm-hmm. and then it made them more, um, more like people, more human. Mm-hmm. Even so, then you can kind of root for them again. Yeah. Um, and I thought some of the things that happened were a little more personal instead of yeah. them just surviving. So yeah, um, I really liked it. I thought it was good how like how the wife just dug her heels into the sand they were like we're we're in this life we're doing this shit yeah and then she started getting like the realization like holy shit what did i fucking do even though like uh season two kind of like led to the idea like they might try to get out or um jason bateman's character might try to get him out in the third season they just like dug their hole even deeper and the way how that this third season and it's just like they're fully into it like how the fuck are, like either they get into witness protection or they fucking die yeah. Like, that. those are going to be the only results. Exactly. So, yeah, I can't wait for the final season and a half, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Let's just say the final two seasons, because fuck <laughs> that. I'm not saying it's the fourth season. No. The final two seasons. It's the four seasons? <laughs> yeah. It's gonna, I bet you anything. I fucking bet you anything. They're going to release one half, season four, next half, 4.5. <laughs> fucking bet you. So annoying. <laughs> All right, and with that, we're going to get into our recent review of Nobody Knows I'm Here. Maravillosa, divina, pero que la voz no lo es todo. Tú, me das la voz de tu hijo, y yo me encargo. La, la pura voz, la pura voz, mi hermano. Tranquilo, yo me encargo de ponerle un cuerpo. Amigos, esta noche, aquí en este programa... ¿Y el quién es? Es el Memo. No lo había visto ni aquí, güey. No, si lo hubiera visto se acordaría. Te queda bonito ese color. Estaría que gustando la flaca, oye. Tú tienes demasiadas cosas en la cabeza, Memo. La vida se pasa así. Para play. ¿Ustedes viven en la prehistoria aquí? ¿No tienen YouTube? ¿Internet? The synopsis is Memo lives on a remote Chilean sheep farm hiding a beautiful singing voice from the outside world. A recluse with a glittery flair, he can't stop dwelling on the past. But what will happen once someone finally listens? It is directed by Gaspar Antillo, who did Malacara which is a short he did in 2015, um, written by Enrique Vidilla, Josefina Fernandez, and uh, Gaspar Antillo. 
I honestly could not find who wrote that thing. Uh, yeah, I had to. I had to get into my um Netflix media account to find out who. Because I looked on Wikipedia, I looked on IMDb, I looked all over the place. I had to get into the media account. Oh, and then you put it in the docket as all caps, yeah, and I well, thought it, it's just to me it was funny because I put three question marks like, <laughs> and then the, you have it in there as all caps, and it seemed like, like. And I know it's not true, but like uh, in my mind, it was you yelling at me like, "Here's the fucking writers." Oh no, I was just I just copy and paste. I know <laughs> it just was funny to me. <laughs> yeah, it's copy and paste. Uh, stars horsey, horsey, horsey. <laughs> Jorge Garcia as Memo Garrido, um, Luis Nieco as Braulio, Alejandro Goic as Jacinto Garrido, and Mirayay. Uh, Lobo says Martita. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, what did you think about this movie? Um, I loved it. I thought it was a really great film. Um, it's an amazing piece of work uh, done by, uh, how do you say, Gaspar uh, Antillo? Antillo. Mm-hmm. Antillo. Um, it's, ama- it's an amazing piece of work for a first-time feature director. Mm-hmm. This was a really great movie um that song um if you if you folks are listening that was our intro uh into this week's episode that song that plays out in this movie is fucking amazing um i i remember when i was getting the docs together i would just listen to that same song over and over and mm-hmm. over again it was so good there's something about that song like i really like it yeah. but what's funny to me is that they have they base this off the fact that this guy still has this beautiful angelic voice Mm -hmm. he has a very mediocre voice (laughs) and everyone's like oh my god you are that boy and i'm like okay i'll go with it but mm -hmm." i think i think it's i think it's like the i think it's like the within the passion in the voice i think that's it not that he didn't even sound that passionate to me though he just sounded like a raspy you know, Spanish country singer or something. Mm. I don't know. I got that sense when they were, when everybody was, um, when this, this whole truth about him and this song and their connection was coming out, I was kind of getting an idea of like, I can see why that song essentially build had built, built, had, had helped (laughs) build somebody else's career instead of like memo's career. Yeah. Um, one thing I have to admit is like this film, um, doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue, mm-hmm. but it is an amazing performance by uh, Jorge Garcia. Gar- sorry, Garcia. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it. The only thing I've no, like the only thing I've ever really watched him in is is in Loss mm-hmm. when he played Hugo. But he was one of the most lovable characters in that show. And not like oh, he's like a lovable dope or whatever. It's just like you look at that guy. You're just like, yo, I just want to give you like a big fucking hug. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's he's so lovable that he was he's. I think he's on the cover, or I know at least his name is the title of a Weezer album. Really? And it's, like, dedicated to him. <laughs> yeah, I was called, like, Hugo. Hugo. That's funny. Um, yeah, I think it was kind of slow in parts, but if you can get into the visual parts, like, mm-hmm. like I know you said that's my thing. Yeah. Like, you can kind of tell what I'm going to like and what I'm not. Yeah. Like, the cinematography is good. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing, yeah. Um... And I like the um, the sort of honesty that they kind of came at his issues with. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't, like, make it glamorous for Hollywood or whatever. Yeah. 
like he's like a real person with real issues and you know they stem from his childhood and like yeah. um I, f- I just found that really interesting yeah it was weird because like what well, i thought it was weird i think it goes i think it goes well to the direction of the film how um like this character um memo like his voice was essentially used for somebody else for their life Mm -hmm. and how he was able to like cope with that well not a very positive way like he isolated himself Mm -hmm. and it was just like i got a sense of like well if he doesn't have his voice then who is he because when the movie starts this is not spoiler anything but when the movie starts they establish that like memo as a kid has like this angelic voice this beautiful Mm -hmm. sounding voice and you know you get a sense of like that's his identity well, his identity got taken away at a young age, so he's just like, well, who the fuck am I? Yeah. All You know, like that one thing. Like, like, like nobody the, knows I'm here. Exactly, the title says. You know what? I just uh, put two and two together. The reason why one of my neighbors was singing operatically. <laughs> Before we start recording. Was because of this, you know, this episode we're doing, you know, where <laughs> nobody knows I'm here. Uh-huh. It was a male, too. You think maybe he like watched it and he got all into it? He's like, oh, they're going to do this episode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me give them, you know, some inspiration. Yeah. He's like banging on the on the door like, hey, oh, let, me, <laughs> let me sing your intro. Come on. I can do it. <laughs> that's, that's all I heard when he was fucking singing. <laughs> um, you want to, do you have anything else to say or do you want to get into? Yeah, let's get into spoilers because, um. Yeah, but there's like a lot of talk about because there's like a lot of symbology and shit like that, and we can't really go around. Yeah, it's hard to get around it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So here is your spoiler bumper. dancing in my seat just so you know <laughs> yes i couldn't avoid it <laughs> um in the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. there's memo yes and he's like in a room mm-hmm. and the news is on in the background mm-hmm. and he's like going through some clothes in a room mm-hmm. and you kind of assume that he's in his own room oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. go on go on and so, all of a sudden, you see someone pull up in a truck, mm-hmm. and he sees that person, and he leaves. And I, I, at first, I was like, wow, he really doesn't want to, like, know that person, or, you know, like, yeah, he's he, a bad person or something. Yeah, or he doesn't, like, want, he doesn't want that person to, he doesn't want to give that person the idea that he might even be home. Yeah. Yeah. And... Then all of a sudden he's in a boat. <laughs> he's going across like a lake or something. Yeah, yeah. And and it still didn't even hit me until you were like, "Oh, that wasn't his house." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit!" I yeah, think you're right. <laughs> that was that was actually kind of creepy. How like the fact that this dude breaks inside somebody's house and he doesn't like 
He doesn't do anything like steal anything. Uh, he doesn't really he steal, does steal stuff, but yeah, but nothing of value, nothing that would really be missed or He'll anything. He'll take like, like things that are like costume items, like things that he like could fabric. make into something else. Yeah, he or like, like nail polish or yeah, he'll take fabric and like nail polish and stuff like that. And it kind of we, we're getting like the uh, not the steps up, but the building blocks of him kind of building up his confidence. He's you know? like stealing bits of other people's personalities. Yeah, to yeah, make yeah. into his own. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because he didn't. He it seemed like his personality was taken away. You know. So you get like little bits and pieces of him as a child. Yeah. And obviously, like he's a big boy, but he has a beautiful voice. And like from the get go, mm-hmm. his father was like, you know, so you you know, my son's gonna be great. And they're like, no, he has a great voice, but we'll find a body for him. Yeah, he doesn't have like. The, the he doesn't have what would be considered like the typical like like the it factor yeah like now nowadays and music we got what's what's that one girl uh lizzo 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 the lizzo who's like uh who's like this you know plus size girl but she like owns it and mm-hmm. people like applaud her for that you well, know some people applaud her for that other people <laughs> yeah. are like yeah they're so disgusting. Yeah, Why are like, you normalizing, you know, yeah. obesity? Or like, uh, what's her name? Like Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson, she she got bigger as her career went on. And she actually had some legit issues because she had like a disorder. She mm-hmm. was, she went through a really dark time. Yeah. And she had an eating disorder and everything. And then um, she realized she wasn't happy and she just gave up mm. and was like, I like who I am. Exactly. But like, you know, back then you had to be skinny. You had to have smooth beautiful skin to go with that flawless voice and stuff like that Mm. and like from the start like you can just tell like this kid is going to be fucked up Mm -hmm. and it uh, i kind of at the beginning i felt sorry for the dad because the dad was like no that's my son that's my son like you have to take him like he has a beautiful voice but take all of them yeah and how the how the um producer was just like no like we'll find a body we'll find a body and I like how I felt sorry for the dad, and then when the dad shows up, fuck the dad, because that dad mm-hmm. was an asshole. So what ended up happening was you get little bits and pieces of the fact that Memo did something when he was little to the other I, boy. I really like that mystery. I love how that mystery was constantly there, but it never, it, it was never explained till like near the very end. Right. Um, he... He basically had to watch this other boy mm-hmm. act on stage and pretend that he was his voice. Yeah. And he even in the beginning, you, you saw he had this book called Mi Camino, which mm. means my path. Yeah. Um, and and it, it was it was the it was the body, the kid. Who it was took, the kid all grown up. Yeah. And it was like his biography. Like it. it, it OK, I'm sorry. Go on, go on, go on. It, it, and they don't also they don't explain why that's important like they keep they focus on the book a little bit too mm-hmm. long yeah it's not too long like oh it doesn't fit there but like long enough that you know it's significant to him mm. but they don't tell you why um t- until towards the end yeah um and then you find out that he pushed the kid off stage yeah and the the kid ended up with like a broken back and he's wheelchair bound for the rest of his life. Yeah. And even like that reveal was done really well because when we get that reveal and we see through like 
like a old YouTube f- footage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we just see the accident, but we don't know the um, the the extent of the damage. Mm-hmm. We, you know, I I was assuming that that happened. It just ruined the image. It just yeah, it just ruined the image. But like that, you know, and maybe they through PR or whatever, they were just like, oh, that's just some crazy kid, somebody's son that just snapped or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And even like the reveal of the wheelchair, which doesn't happen until the end when memo and this kid who's now grown up um, his name is um angel yeah like even that reveal is just like oh shit it got like that fucking serious and so they're kind of like like the the what, what was the guy's name again angel yeah and angel is like you know my life has been fucked up but like on a, his life was fucked up but like on a more physical level mm-hmm. because this dude still had fame and also on a superficial level too exactly because he still had fame yeah and then memo was just like no you psychologically fucked me up and took my fucking life mm-hmm. and it's like and like he even memo even goes to these fantasies where the outfit that like what was what was it called that you called it that the thing he's wearing it's not it a shawl it was more like a robe yeah, he puts on like this robe, and it's like this beautiful, glistening glamour robe, and he like does does like operatic singing on a stage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that like they didn't shy away that the fact that like this dude is big, mm-hmm. like at all. He's not. He does not have. He, he's not good looking. He actually is when well, he combs his hair. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. When he combs his hair, he looks. He combs his hair and looks, wears his suit. Yeah, he looks nice. Yeah, but he's not like conventional like. He's not thin. He's not like the leading man in an action movie. Yeah. And, um, but like, he, like, he, he really, he like lived these fantasies like this was supposed to be my life. Mm -hmm. And it's so tragic because you see the contrast and the colors, how it's like red and bright and glitz and glamour and stuff like that. And then back to reality, it's like cold. Dumb, like dumb, dim. Yeah, it's dim, it's cold. Like he helps his uncle, like, um, uh, collect what's it called? Uh, leather. Le- no, it's leather oh. and, sh- and sheep. Uh, and yeah, the sheep wool, wool and all yeah. that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, they process every. They process the leather too, and then mm-hmm. they also make like. I don't know what they do with the wool though. It looks like they like make it into like a rug or something. Yeah, or put them in pillows or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like. <sighs> man, that tragic story. It was like it was breaking my heart, especially. Especially when he got found out. What bothered me is that, like, it's good. You kind of get an idea of he's this way. Mm -hmm. He doesn't like people seeing him. He knows he's big. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want anyone to see him because he doesn't want to get found out. Mm -hmm. Though you don't understand about the found out part, but you know that he's really shy. Yeah, he would, like, he puts on a, he, big guy. Puts on a jacket. A yellow and, jacket. Yeah, and puts a hood on. Like, it's like a blanket. Mm-hmm. Like, don't look at me. Yeah. And, um, of course, something happens because his uncle and him are, I guess, he had his boat out. Memo yeah, had the, the boat motor, out. Yeah, the motor. And the, the, motor, the motor wasn't working right or whatever. So, he finally gets home and his uncle's working on the motor and the motor slices, like, two of his uncle's fingers off. Yeah. So, of course, he drives his uncle to town, and he wouldn't get in the plane with his uncle. He just mm. cut to yeah, driving the boat yeah, the other way. Which is like, I think that was, 
I don't know if that was intentional, but yo, that scene was pretty fucking funny. I, I think it was intentional. Yeah, he's like covered in blood. He's like, like mowing back and everything. <laughs> um, but there was a girl who showed up one time because her uncle couldn't make it, or her father, or whoever. Yeah. Um, to make a delivery, mm. and she's the same girl who ended up showing up after his uncle, uh, Memo's uncle, ended up yeah, in the hospital. Injured, yeah. So he became friends with her, and you almost get like this like romantic type mm. like i don't know like this cute kind of relationship type thing yeah, forming they don't yeah they don't make it like typical like oh this is like his obvious love interest there's like a like they could be soulmates on like the best friend kind of level yeah exactly and like there was no moment of like them holding hands staring lovingly in the eyes possibly kissing no it was just them like just enjoying themselves mm-hmm. just like enjoying each other's company yeah um but of course, he broke into a house later, and it was her house. Oh, that's right. Okay, all right. We gotta talk about. I want to talk about that okay. scene. Okay. I think I don't think that was a. Uh, it, it was so weird. Okay, I don't think he like did it like accidentally. I think he did it to like scope her out. Yeah. Because I remember she did say at one point. Um, because she saw, I think she ended up seeing his, his fabric, his, what he was putting together. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, I have a lot of clothes in my place if you ever want to see it, you know, if you have any idea. I mean, she only knows this guy for like an hour and she's already just like, she already accepts him for who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't see him. She even saw his nail polish that he put on and she was like, she touched it and he like shrunk away and she's yeah. like, no, it's a beautiful color on you. Like, I like it. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, he likes he like goes into her house, and I think he like he really genuinely was like getting in there because like to see what kind of fabric she had. Because he was, even though she offered to bring him in, he was still he like, still didn't really trust her. Yeah, he was still like super shy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, but that that's, that's what happens later. Fucking broke my heart. <laughs> <laughs> so he ends up like in the room with I guess what's probably her grandmother. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could tell like she's not there, right? Like she's just existing. Like he, she doesn't know he's there. Yeah, she's like in a hospice. Yeah, like a hospice, hospice bed or whatever it's called. And so Martita enters, and then this guy who's like her boyfriend enters. Yeah, and you could tell he's kind of heartbroken a little bit. Mm. Like I felt like he was kind of sad that she had a boyfriend. Was it her boyfriend? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay, okay. Or they were dating. Yeah. I think they weren't, like, serious, serious, but, like, Mm. they had been out on a date. And um, Mm. he had her phone, and she had recorded um, Memo singing. Yeah. And I don't think she put two and two together. Yeah, she didn't, like, um, she, she, like... There's that part where he's, like, singing the song, and then, like, yeah, the guy is like, holy shit, I recognize that voice. And you could just see, like, from there on, it's just, like, constant downhill yeah, at a slow pace. It's not, like, drastic, like, oh, my God, this singer's been found, and blah, blah, blah. It's, like, steadily paced, well-paced, even to the point where, like, the journalist. That's um, her boy. Her boyfriend's a journalist. Yeah. Even to the point where her boyfriend slash journalist even approaches Memo. And it was like, hey, like, I'm a journalist. If you want to talk, we can talk. Mm-hmm. And I love how Memo just, like, 
gets up in his face. Mm-hmm. But doesn't Jorge Garcia rarely talks in this movie, but he doesn't have to talk because he's so fucking intimidating mm-hmm. at certain parts. They wanted him to seem intimidating. Yeah. Because they want you to know that he's soft on the inside, but he they still wanted you to judge him in that way like other people would. Mm, that's okay. what I felt like. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's why I resonate with that character so much. Because, like, I mean, I'd never, I don't, I didn't have an angelic voice and someone stole my identity. But, like, if you think about it, he's really, like, just really this uh, big teddy bear. Mm-hmm. And people have, like, referred me as a big teddy bear. Plus... I don't know if it's cool, but if I say, but you said you had like certain identity issues. Yeah. So I, you probably resonate on that level too. Yeah. Oh shit. I didn't even think about that until you pointed it out <laughs> right now. No. Yeah. You're right. I, I have, um, I've had, I've had a lot of struggles with, um, with my, my race and sexuality and all that kind of stuff. And like some serious like identity issues that's kind of really fucked me up because I never got them resolved. Mm-hmm. before they really did serious damage so i mean that's gonna be some dark shit now <laughs> you gotta be really thinking <laughs> but yeah i guess i guess yeah kelsey friend was pointing out was like yo that's why you connect with that guy so much yeah plus you know you want his robes too like you want to be i like you know that robe. that shit was important. i like the one that he made more than the one they showed in his little Oh, in his um, fantasy? fantasy. Yeah, it broke my heart that he burned that thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when he got found out, the. Um, oh, because he saw what they were saying about him in the news once every, once it blew up. Mm-hmm. Because his fa- I think his father finally showed up and was Fuck like, this guy. is what they're saying about you. And yeah. once he saw that, it's like the very next thing you see, it's like cut to he's burning his robes. Yeah. So, like. His father's a dirtbag. His father's an absolute dirtbag because his father's like, his father's like coming in and saying shit like, because he's looking at the house, he's like, you guys don't have internet, no fucking TV, like nothing. You guys live in this crap isolation. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking of like, yo, dude, who the fuck are you? Like, this obviously, like, Memo is obviously closer to his uncle mm-hmm. than his father. So that scene where, where Memo's father's getting in his face and Memo fucking. I guess the father forgot that Memo is like six foot two and like three hundred something pounds. Fucking or like, he honestly hadn't seen him since he was a kid. Yeah, and he fucking like choke pins him against the wall. Yeah, that was so fucking satisfying. Yeah, I was like, squeeze a little harder, squeeze a little harder. <laughs> um. So his father abandoned him basically, and mm-hmm. his father even said to him too, like, you know, you're screwing up my life. Like, yeah. not only does he have Angel or Anhel telling him, You're, you screwed up my life or whatever. Yeah. His father's telling him the same thing. Like, oh, yeah. you're screwing up my life. You know, I'm a, like a big person now. Mm-hmm. And you're you're making things hard on me. Yeah. Um, and like, they don't, they don't ask him like, how, no one, no one is other than, no one has ever shown concern for Memo other than his uncle and uh martita martita no the people who should show concern like the dude who he helped build his career and his father none of them would go how are you doing what's going on is everything mm-hmm. okay right and that's so fucked up yeah so um when you get towards the end of the movie mm. and he ends up in this beautiful hotel mm mm-hmm. And he's going to... Those um, kids thought they were beautiful. <laughs> they <laughs> screaming with joy. Yay! 
Um, <laughs> they are kind of, he's not being forced to do it, but he doesn't really know what he's getting into. Mm-hmm. He's going to do this interview about where has he been or whatever, but basically it's more of a, like, a thing for Angel and, like, how he's been doing because of yeah. what Memo did to him. So they yeah. kind of want to make it where Memo is, I'm not Memo, um, Angel is, like, he's a motivational speaker at this point. Yeah. And he's su- such a forgiving person that he's going to forgive Memo on live TV or whatever. And, yeah. and... Well, I think, no, I think it was, I think he was supposed to be asking Memo, he's supposed to be asking Memo, Memo for forgiveness. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, which is even worse. Yeah. Um, And then Memo's kind of like, no, you stole my, that was my voice. Yeah. So... Yeah, they, they, then he got pissed, like because yeah. they had this conversation before they even had the interview, right? Yeah, because they were like they were they were, because what, what was going on before that? It's like everybody were everybody was, because I guess because Angel had built his career off the song, and everybody was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Mm-hmm. You know, and then the idea, uh, it, which kind of speaks volumes in the of people worshiping celebrities, they can do no wrong. And when the truth comes out, they just like fingers in the ear, like la 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 la. la I don't hear this shit. Mm-hmm. Like there's that part where he, where Memo's in the car, get into the hotel, and those people are like banging on the window, and they call him like a phony and a fake, and like speed, spit, um, spitting on the window, mm-hmm. not real, not accepting or fully realizing, like no, this is the voice that you people fall in love with, mm-hmm. and it's so fucked up because even though him, he's trying to take his voice back, the masses doesn't want to give back his voice, right. Not just that, but they, um, they're they also responsible for whatever monster they created in their mind. Yeah. Like, he's not a monster, but they created that monstrous act. Because yeah. that wouldn't have happened if that wasn't something that they wanted. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so they're talking on set before they're going to do the interview, Memo mm. and Angel. And they're talking. Um, he's just saying, like, oh, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go up there and I'm going to ask you for forgiveness. Yeah. And, you know, and that's when Memo was like, no, you stole my voice or my song. and My life and everything. And I was like pissed off at him. Like, <laughs> you're going to ruin everything for yeah, me. You like, already oh. took my career away from me and all this yeah, stuff. Which like kills like, all right, everything you just said beforehand. It's disingenuous. Yeah. Not fucking not worth anything now, man. Yeah. So he gets up on, uh, they finally get into the interview and um it starts with you know the whole angela is gonna ask for forgiveness yeah and memo ends up saying you that was my voice i was like, singing the song tell them tell them that's my voice mm-hmm. yeah and it gets like it escalates and they end up going to commercial because they're like arguing yeah and he walks off and then it gets into this like impromptu like performance yeah when he sings a song where he sings the song and you kind of wonder is it did that actually happen or was that like a figment of his imagination yeah i had i had re-watched that ending over and over a couple times um because there because it kind of does like this it kind of does like this jump where um where memo and uh martita right Mm-hmm. And Memo and Mar- Martita are like sitting on the couch, and like the father's already talked to Memo, saying like, "Hey, I figured out how we can kind of like resolve this issue, mm-hmm. you know." And then, 
she like whispers something to his ear and then like cut to he's in the elevator and then cut to he's like going to the room cut to he's in the car like all this kind of stuff right mm-hmm. it's like it's like a it's like doing a series of jumps right you know while, and you're like going through the motions because that's what you're supposed to do yeah and like because as the movie early in the movie we were kind of just seeing like these steps like he's from one point he walks to another point he walks to another point but these are like serious like jumps jump cuts and like time lapse mm-hmm. that happens and that's why and like i was watching that and then after like that whole scene it like cuts to like after he does his he does, he sings a song like at full scale right mm-hmm. band and everything sounds amazing he like when he walks out it like jumps back to he's at he's at martita's house but now he's like laying in bed and now he's opening his eyes mm-hmm. so it kind of does give you the idea of like maybe it didn't happen that's like his whole fan that's like every fantasy that happened before then it like led up to to like that confrontation in his head mm-hmm. um i want to be <laughs> i want to be more hopefully optimistic and think that it did happen and he told off the guy and he was just like that's all i needed in life i need to tell him off sing my heart out fuck it i actually am wondering where reality now that i'm thinking about it mm. where does reality and his fantasy end mm, okay did he actually go and do the interview with Anhel? i don't think he did i hope i, I, I want him to have that happy because if he's still friends with martita mm. and like they're just laying in bed or whatever yeah like I don't. F- I feel like that only would have happened if he wasn't found out. Mm. Oh, so so you're saying like the, his whole getting find out didn't even happen? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it just popped in my head right now because I was like, yeah, like they like I said, they do a lot of logical jumps. You know, there's mm-hmm. even like that scene where like. Um, him and his uncle are going to the waterfall mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful scene where like they get in there and like you don't hear the discussion and everything they're just going there and it seems like he's like screaming at the waterfall you know which kind of comes off as like a moment of let me get this out of my system mm-hmm. let me scream all this aggression out right um, I like I said I try to like rewatch the ending thinking okay it'll make it clear yeah if like maybe like Martin, uh, Martita was like wearing different clothes or something but I couldn't tell Mm-hmm. Like she was wearing like a sweater, and then like Memo, Memo's wearing the same clothes, but Memo doesn't really have a whole lot of clothes. He wears like two outfits, like a pair of overalls and like a jumpsuit. Yeah, and that's it. So they kind of like, I don't know, like <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, whatever, whatever the whatever the ending may be, it it still comes off as a very like cathartic ending mm-hmm. because he's laying there. Uh, Martita like lays next to him and she like puts his arm she puts her arm around him and she doesn't she also like puts her leg around him mm-hmm. and it was like a very like sweet moment yeah so maybe I don't know I like I like to be optimistic and think that like it did happen especially like when he walked out of the studio and he did like that slide oh like, yeah fuck you like slide <laughs> I was just like please let that be real <laughs> um but do you think do you think that maybe it, that probably didn't happen at all like he just nope I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it's a great. Like I wanna, I wanna believe it happened, yeah, but I because you want that good ending to happen with that guy. I have like little daydreams too about things like like that. Yeah. But I don't. I mean, obviously, I know it doesn't happen. So yeah, like, yeah. 
Um, I like, I would hope that it did, but uh, you know, I'm just kind of a realist, I guess. Uh, I get you, but see, that's why we watch movies so we can just kind of live in that fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great movie, especially that ending. It's, it's not. It opens up the door for like a great discussion, whether it happened or not, and what does that speak like? Does he? Now that he played the scenario, does he have the confidence that he's been looking for? And does he is he finally to like let everything go? Mm-hmm. You know, or does he still have like a hang up? I mean, I don't I don't remember if he like he smiled at the end or anything like that. But but then again, he's not the type of person who really smiled that much. No, I don't remember either. But yeah, he didn't really smile that much. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a great allegory <laughs> though for how people like. It's a great allegory for how I feel yeah, most you, of the time you too. Really, you really connected with those lyrics. With the yeah, with the lyrics, mm-hmm. and also because like, like for you it was identity issues, but mm-hmm. for me it was like every single person that has ever come into my life, be mm-hmm. it family or friends or whatever, yeah, have left be- me behind in one way or another, mm-hmm. and like, so I feel for him because. He's just going now going through the motions and maybe the simpler life he's kind of happy cuz he has the one person that he can trust. Yeah. Um but his his world is really narrow. Yeah, and he doesn't really need he doesn't like he's been I don't know if he's been fully satisfied where he's been at. Well, he's not because that's why he breaks into people's homes. Yeah, that's true. But and like, his uncle knows about it too. He's like you're going to get caught. Like yeah. you know, you shouldn't be doing that. But he's not judging him for it. Hmm. but yeah his world is really narrow so he's trying to expand it in all these little ways and they're poor i think Hmm. they're poor because of how they're living yeah he can't afford to get those things to make himself happy yeah maybe it was the um i mean because the title is nobody knows i'm here but like now um martita knows that he's here maybe he just wanted that one person yeah to like see him for who he is exactly i mean his uncle saw from who he is but whatever (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. And his uncle wanted him to be something a little different. Like yeah. he didn't judge him, but he kept trying to push him. Like, oh yeah, to like come out. But and it's do like something. you know, if you're yeah. that damaged the way he is, like you don't want someone pushing you. You want someone to just love you. Yeah, that's true. So that's why I kind of uh, related to him. So would you recommend this movie for people to check out? Yeah, it's got a good score on Rotten Tomatoes too. Yeah, I think it's like 88% or something like something that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and I, from what I'm seeing right now, even like on the IMDb page, um, the popularity from the film like jumped. Like, I mean, right now it's like a 64 in Metascore, but like popularity jumped. It's like 255% it jumped. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like I said, it's a really great film by um, this first-time feature director, uh, Gaspar and Dio. Mm-hmm. I'm so horrible at words. <laughs> and, and, and names. You're you're horrible at words in English. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, but yeah, uh, a amazingly great performance by uh, by Jorge Garcia. Mm-hmm. And then, damn that song! Love that song. It's a good song. No bad song. Yeah. Um, and with that, I think we're gonna get into our variety time. Uh, superficial help on a slippery slope. <laughs> dancing again (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i think you should take this first one 
All right. So, okay, with the Black Lives Matter movement still in full swing and a lot of people getting called out on their racist shit, um, there's been this, there's been like this big movement um, within uh, the media industry. Um, case in point, uh, they pulled Gone with the Wind away from like HBO Max mm-hmm. and they put in like a new disclaimer. Um, and I actually kind of like that they left it there with the disclaimer. Yeah. So that people can see the bullshit yeah absolutely yeah 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 because it, it glorifies the south yeah and slavery fuck that movie anyway <laughs> okay so there's been this thing going on with with um like past tv shows it's, al- it's almost like white saviorism yeah no okay, okay. It, it, there's okay so yeah it has it, it's doing it's it's annoying how they're doing it now okay so uh, like there are voice actors, like for example, The Simpsons. Um, producers of The Simpsons had got the news out that they were no longer having white actors playing non-white characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the most problematic characters that they had was um, Hank Azaria, who did the voice of Apu. But you that know? one's been an issue for a while. Like yeah. a lot of people had been calling for him, especially uh, Jamila Jamil. Yeah, yeah. She has been a pretty strong voice, and like he shouldn't be voicing. Not only should he not be voicing that character, but that mm. character shouldn't even exist because it's such a stereotype. Yes, that's yes. negative against that type of people. Yeah, um, and there was a documentary that came out in 2017 by this Indian uh, com- uh, Indian American comedian named uh, Hari uh, Kandabulu. I think is how you say his name, mm-hmm. um, and it's called "The Problem with Apu." Okay, so Hakazari jumped away from doing a poo cool because that is a very stereotypical character he works at a, a 7-eleven type character he has a wife with like multiple kids and all that kind of stuff right an indian accent yeah like. and a heavily indian accent okay um so there was that and then there's also this thing this thing when netflix pulled this episode of community over blackface concerns um at, as you guys have been listening i've been re-watching the series community and the, i came across that episode where chang Who's played by? Um, oh, his name has escaped me right now. Uh, oh, by Kim Jong. Um, he is like all black with white, solid white hair, and he's a dark elf, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a D and D episode. Okay. Okay, and even Shirley just like, yo, what the fuck, you know? But it's like a small little snipe, little little joke. Okay, so that happened, and then like they pulled and they pulled out, uh, they edited out a certain. Uh, shot in the in the office where someone has blackface. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, we're doing that now. And then Hulu pulled an episode of Golden Girls where they wear mud mask, right? And then one of them makes a comment. It says uh, the episode is called Mixed Blessing, and one of them makes a comment saying, uh, "This this mud on her face, we're not really black." Okay. My problem with this is one, and, and we'll get into more of that hap- that's going on because this is the only the only instance. One, why are you barely doing it now? Mm-hmm. It's been a fucking issue forever. Why now? Mm-hmm. Two, it's already there. Fuck it, leave it alone. You know, especially like, um, like like we were saying about the Gone with the Wind. Like, put a little disclaimer. That, I mean, how Gone with the Wind had a disclaimer on it. Okay, cool. But my whole issue is, like, if you're taking these these actors 
um, like for example, Jenny Slate said that she will no longer play a black character in Big Mouth, and Christian Bell said that she would no longer play. Uh, Kristen Bell. Uh, sorry, not- Kristen Bell. Sorry, <laughs> Kristen Bell will not play. She would no longer play a mixed child in the show Central Park. Okay, I don't mind these characters doing these roles, except for Hank Azaria. That was a very problematic. I don't mind these char- these voice actors doing these roles because they're not coming out in a negative light. Like these characters, they, these aren't stereotypical. They're not. Um, they're not making them look stupid or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's just like voice work, right? You know, if you if you're doing voice work and and your character's history or heritage is not so tied into it, I don't really care. But when you're doing this, you're starting to pigeonhole voice actors. Now, mm-hmm. we can only get black people to play this black character. But there have been tons of black actors, uh, voice actors that have, have done white characters. But you're going to start pigeonholing them to only do these black characters or minority characters. A great example is Phil Lamar. Mm-hmm. Phil Lamar did uh, Jack from Samurai Jack. That is a Japanese character. But he did that character with respect. Mm-hmm. You're going to start, if you start keep doing this, people are going to be afraid of just to hire you based off your talent. Oh, we want to get this guy to do Superman. Because his voice is great for it. Oh, but he's black. Ooh, that's gonna be an issue. Mm-hmm. You're like, now you're taking away, you're taking away work. Right. And it's just like, why are you? If these shows have been on for years, and you're barely doing this shit now. Right. Like you've already fucked like, up. Like the comedy that came out in the early 2000s to like 2010, 2012, mm-hmm. and before that was problematic. It was racist, sexist, whatever. Yeah. It is what it is. I should hope that comedy has evolved. Yes. Like, and it has, because there's so many comedians that are out now that are saying, hey, that stuff that you did 15 years ago is not cool anymore. Yeah. And those people are complaining, saying, this is my comedy, and now you're shitting on it. Like, oh, everyone's so sensitive or whatever. Uh, Like, if you're going to be funny, be funny. Don't shit on people to be funny. Yeah. So if you're going to make a new comedy series and you're going to put a white person in a black role or a Mexican role or whatever, mm. that role shouldn't be disrespectful anyway. Exactly. So it shouldn't be a problem unless it is a like a heavily black person with like that is in like, I don't know, talks a certain way or whatever that. Mm. I don't know, some, it might be like kind of weird or disrespectful for a white person to play. Yeah. It's just kind of like one of those things when you have to take it situation by situation, you can't just throw black people in black people roles and then white people mm-hmm. in white people roles. Like, I don't know. Yeah. There, um, there was a, I, I remember. And, and, and that kind of takes away from impressionism too. Exactly. Right. Because people, there are impressionists out there and they never, well, I don't know, maybe they used to or some people do, but mm-hmm. they don't do things to be disrespectful. They mm-hmm. do things to see how far they can stretch their like their ability to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like it's not like the Scarlett Johansson thing where she plays um like an Asian character. Yeah, it's nothing like that, you know, cause um and like I said, like Kelsey said, comedy has kind of gone far away from like doing the stereotypical jokes or to do an, or doing a stereotype character, you know, um, the, from, from, I can't remember. I've heard this multiple times from like different comedians that if you want to make good comedy, you punch up, you don't punch down. Mm-hmm. 
and we've gotten so far away from punching down that's all that's all cool and everything but you know it, you if these characters are doing justice or if these voice actors are doing justice let them let them do their justice you know i don't like do you think it's safe to say that like and i this is an actual real question so i hope it's not like like it's dumb or mm. you know no, insensitive or whatever but do you think it's possible that if a white person does a black character and it's respectful that it might even shine a positive light on black people who like even if like people don't do their research and they don't mm. know who's behind that voice um i don't know probably it probably could um i can't really think of any instance where like a white character did I, I remember, um, I remember what's his name, Mike Henry, who does the voice, or who did the voice of Cleveland, mm-hmm. Cleveland Brown from Family Guy. Yeah, a lot of people were shocked to shit to find out it was played by a white guy. However, it didn't take away from the character at all. I was, I actually liked Cleveland. I actually liked Cleveland show more than I liked Family Guy because mm-hmm. obviously I can easily relate to it. But I was just like, yo, he's not taking anything, you know, poorly. I mean, if if there is any stereotype that they are showing, it's because of the, the writers behind it are just like, yo, let's punch down on this shit. Yeah, yeah. And that's where that that's where that fault comes in. Yeah. Um, there are, like I said, there are a lot of really talented uh, black uh, voice actors. For example, like Cree Summer. Cree Summer has been doing work for decades. She's done work on Tiny Toons, Rugrats, Wild Thornberries, Captain Planet, Kids, uh, Codename Kisses Next Door. Kevin Michael Richardson has done a lot of fucking work. A lot of work. And like I said, Phil Lamar. Um, but... This also can start having a slippery slope where you're going to have uh, like uh, like kid characters that are normally played by female um, voice actors because they have the right tone. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I remember when I found out Bart Simpson was played by a girl. <laughs> Blew my fucking mind, right? <laughs> um, but you're, then, then all of a sudden you're going to start saying, well, they can't play kid characters because they're not kids. Mm-hmm. No, like, don't stop doing that. Or um, I'm trying to think of another voice actor, but yeah, you're, like I said, you're gonna kind of you're gonna start opening up like a slippery slope when uh, okay, the only person who plays this can be an Asian character. You're, then you're pigeonholing them. Mm-hmm. If if it's something that is heavily influenced by a culture, by all means, get that culture to represent them. Mm-hmm. For example, there's this movie came out that came out years ago called Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh yeah, I love that movie. Great movie following um, Asian lore. Great fucking story. The characters were Asian. Mm-hmm. The father, uh, the father of the main character was Asian. Why the fuck did you get Matthew McConaughey to play that character? <laughs> the mother of the character Asian. Charlize Theron. Like why? Like that's that's when it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. But when it becomes something like their heritage is not so in. It's so intertwined with their characters mm-hmm. and they are just like let me pull this out let me let me let, let me pigeonhole this character and let me take away opportunities from everybody then you're kind of just like you're you're focusing your you're focusing on who you should be hired based on their race not mm-hmm. based on their talent like if atlanta was if atlanta was animated mm-hmm. i would say that those characters could not be played by anyone except for black people Oh, because yeah, that's a that's a black as shit story. It is. Yeah, yeah. Like you've got people who are like trying to make 
their lives work mm. and they get into some shit but it's like kind of how they live and it's you can't you can't let pe- white people play that yeah um so yeah so i mean my it was funny i was having a i was having a discussion with somebody about this about the mark henry role mm-hmm. and at first i was like yeah i have a problem with that like why do you have to play but after over time i was like i never had a problem with him before i definitely didn't have a problem with him after like i said it's different when it's you know like it's a poo mm-hmm. you know that's you're just feeling all the stereotypes right the simpsons they used to really rely on stereotype stereotyping certain characters like there's this guy there's this character named uh akita the japanese waiter Played by Hank Azaria. Oh, okay. Like, it was like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they are, they're getting further away from stereotypes. Like, even The Simpsons is... Yeah. And, I mean, all more power for them when, if they if they do feel, like, if they're like, okay, well, we got to hire more minorities and everything like that. Okay, that's cool. You're opening up the jobs and everything like that. But, yo, you're like 25 years fucking late. Like, you're just doing this now. You should have been doing this at the fucking beginning mm-hmm. now it's just like your efforts are making it like moot and maybe those people might have spoken up and said hey this is some um insensitive bullshit yeah exactly and it, like this goes on a superficial level as well because it's like okay we're not gonna hire we're not gonna have uh non-white characters oh non-white act oh sorry we're not gonna have white people play non-white characters okay but it's a, it's a worse problem than that um can you make sure that you don't have an incident like what's her name? What's that show? America's Got Talent, mm-hmm. where there's a whole thing with Gabrielle, Gabrielle Union, mm-hmm. where her dealing with all that racism and shit, and how yeah. like they're trying to sweep it underneath the rug. Yeah, you know all that bullshit like that, and like how, despite what Terry Crews is going to now because he can't shut the fuck up. He's turning into Therese, Tyrese, what Gibson or whatever his name is. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, despite not being able to shut the fuck up once in a while, what happened with him? when he was sexually harassed um i don't say he was harassed he was, it was i think it was he was because he was groped but his things were like pushed to the side because he's black mm-hmm. no that's still fucked up what happened to him. like and they and they were letting that dude slide for a while not terry terry Crew, but the guy who assaulted him mm-hmm. they're letting him slide like he, like fix those fucking issues yeah you know like the whole oscar so white thing that happened now they're bringing in like more minority characters except for fucking green book that bullshit. <laughs> that that's white saviorism. The movie was, mm-hmm. and then the fact that it won was because they're like, "Oh, we're listening. It's a you know <laughs> yeah. a black movie, right?" Yeah, here's an award for you, um, and have more uh, what's called inclusion clause, where you hire more people of color to be in your writers' room to actually have to be on set to be doing on set. you know the grips and all these things. Yeah, to give you that in to give you that insight of that story that you're trying to tell on a on minorities like um we did we reviewed just mercy that was the first film to have an enclosure clause where like there had to be people of color what was funny no i'm glad you brought that one up because uh-huh. i literally was just thinking about it and uh-huh. one of the guys was a white guy who was writing it and, and <laughs> yeah. that story was awful because they they wrote it like it they were talking to dumb white people yeah and, like, I don't feel like they actually wrote it for black people, which it should have been for yeah. black people, really. It, yeah, it was supposed to, it was, here's the, it was supposed to be written for black people, and it was also supposed to be written for white people, but it was, like, done at a stupid level. Like, it yeah. was, like, two, like, 
oh, the whole over And so one of the white, so I think one of the writers was white. One of the writers was white. The other one was the director. Um, his name is scaring me right now, but he's an Asian American. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, he's got, he's even got more insight of what's going on with minorities because he's a minority minority himself. Um, but it's funny that the you had they had, that one had an inclusion clause and it was mm. still a shit movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they didn't do it right. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but like, like I said, this the whole thing of non-white or taking these episodes off and stuff like that. Like, yo, that's that's like I said, that's the superficial shit. Like, you need to go deeper into Hollywood and figure fix the fucking race issue that's in there. You know, um, I got a survey at my work today because mm. I um. Found out we have like what we call ERG groups, and it's like we have a group for inclusion for like LGBT people in the company mm-hmm. or women or black people. So, like, I joined a bunch of them mm-hmm. because I was like, I can't join the black professional network because I'm not black. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of white people in there, okay? Because it's like they want white people in there because they oh, want okay. like allies, yeah. So, I'm like, cool, I'm gonna join it. And they gave us a survey today, like, oh, how could, um, how could JLL, which is the company I work for, mm. um, how could they help? Like, you know, how could you help black people feel more included or whatever? Mm-hmm. Or how could you help as an ally? Like, what do you think would help? Okay. And I think it's kind of funny that for how progressive my company is with those types of things, uh-huh. I almost feel like the conversation never gets outside of these groups. <laughs> okay. So it doesn't really affect yeah. real change. It just makes people feel good that they work for a company that cares. Mm-hmm. So that's good and all, but like... So, okay. So this survey, it, okay, do you know if it went to like to the black people in the group to get their take on it It as went well? to everybody who was okay. in the black professionals Network. I thought it would have been funny if it just went to the white people. No. <laughs> I would have been like, yo, that doesn't help. <laughs> um, but I think it's just one of those things, too, where it's like, you know, if you're talking about these films and they mm-hmm. should have more representation into things, like, yeah. like how, how would that affect a company like mine, too, where, mm-hmm. I mean, they're totally different things. My My company does actually represent, like, I think they do, like, rent out spaces for sets too oh okay but i don't know it just it makes me wonder sometimes how we could how it might affect that yeah like you like Like it's not enough but like mm. could it be at some point like could they take the hint a little bit further um i'll tell a story um uh somebody who i've been talking to they they were they've been going through some um training um for like the company like some company training mm-hmm. and uh one of the topics that they had to talk about was uh, or one of the topics that was brought up was um what is accepted um when it comes to like race relations and stuff like that what is accepted to say what is accepted not to say all that kind of stuff right mm-hmm. and like dealing like dealing how to be more sensitive or to, not to select your racism racism flag fly high and shit mm-hmm. And the person who was talking about race relations was an old white guy. <laughs> and she told me this. I was like, that's problematic as no, fuck. I, you know what? I told you that same thing happened to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. A few, a few months ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, but these, 
these women that mm. came, they were lawyers. Mm. Like like lawyers to deal with like things that happen with HR and stuff. Yeah. Um and one one of them had an accent like she was from like South America or something. Yeah. Um but they're also part of like some of these inclusive inclusive groups too. So it's yeah. funny like the the only points they touched on for like black people mm. was don't tell someone they're pretty for a black woman. Oh yeah, you never want to say that. Or yeah. don't ask to touch their hair. And, and like that's it. kind of it. Like they didn't really like they don't I don't I honestly don't know if they just don't have time. <laughs> they don't expand on anything. Yeah. So you only get like the happy bits. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I get you. I get you. I get you. Um yeah, I think that's all I have to say about this topic. We've been on it for like a little while. <laughs> all right, uh, let's get into our geriatric cinematic of bad education. Por mi culpa, por tu culpa. Hola, señor Beringuet. Buenos días, padre Manolo. Ese hombre tiene una gran deuda conmigo. Ha llegado el momento de que la pague. No me gusta verte así. Esas cartas no son necesarias. Dámelas. Cuando me entregas el dinero. El padre Manolo. Yo no soy padre ni de mi propio hijo. Para cosas malas las dos juntas, pero para buena tú sola. This movie came out in 2004, and the synopsis is an examination on the effect of Franco-era religious schooling and sexual abuse on the lives of two longtime friends. Directed and written by Pedro Almodóvar. Uh, he did Pain and Glory, The Skin I Live In, and Talk to Her. Um, and it stars Gael Garcia Bernal, uh, Feli Martinez, uh, Daniel Jimenez, Cacho. Well, I've never seen Luis spell two L's before. That's interesting. Luis, mm. uh, Omar, Francisco Mestre, and Francisco Boira, and Juan Fernandez. <laughs> All right. Bad education. <sighs> it was very slow. It was slow. I hadn't watched this movie in a while, but it was indeed a very slow movie. Um, but uh, it eventually did pick up. I, I, I still enjoy this movie. I still... Um, I, I remember you were confused... Um, during the beginning of the movie for a bit. Mm -hmm. And I remember being kind of confused too. I was like, wait, wait, what's happening? Holy shit. Wait, I'm being turned around now. <laughs> yeah. My whole thing about this is a couple of things. First mm -hmm. of all, I don't know what it is, but I have like a strong disliking of 80s slash 90s colors mm -hmm. being splashed everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like in the shapes, I don't, I don't know. Like mm -hmm. it's just, it, it's too much. Like it, I don't know if it's just because I grew up in that era and I mm -hmm. didn't have such a great time or what. But mm -hmm. I, like it's just to me, it's like I don't like that flashback. Okay. Um. So it was. It took me a minute to like get over that. Yeah. Then also the fact that the main character that shows up, like, she's a beautiful transvestite. Mm but she's very distracting like mm. like you don't get the story you get this person that just fills the screen with their personality and you, mm. you you're not getting anything past that because you can't yeah. see anything I else remember get, i remember getting a sense of that as well yeah 
So that's also kind of why I didn't get some of the story in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, once it picked up, mm-hmm. I was okay. okay. Like, I didn't... Um, there was nothing about it that was going to make me fall in love with it. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, but once it picked up, I was like, okay, there's a few shocks. The thing that kind of sucks is if you really want to like the story, you have to read something that sums it up. Yeah. Then you're like, oh, yeah. Like, I knew all that stuff was there, but because she's so loud mm. with her personality. Who are you, who are you referring to? Uh, um, the one who played Zahara. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess yeah, but uh, okay. Uh. Yeah. Um, once she, like, she's just so loud, like, once I saw the, like, the summary or the synopsis, I realized, okay, like, I always knew what, what was there, but it's like my brain wasn't letting it sink in or connect or mm. something. Okay. Um, and now I like it because I like what it was saying. Mm. I just didn't see it unfold the way I should have. Oh, okay. I don't know if that makes any no, sense. No, 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 I get you, I get you, I get you. Um... Yeah, because there's like this, there's like this weird transition with the movie where like, because it takes place like in real time and then kind of goes in the past and kind of goes into this fantasy like um, we're seeing a movie being made, like right then and there. So we're kind of going like a in this weird kind of like three way streak, like mm-hmm. here, 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 and here, you know. Um, but I, I remember that like I remember being invested, someone invested into the story as we're getting to the backstory of, um, of. Uh, of Enrique and 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 Hell, uh, or mm-hmm. a yo- or sorry, a, oh, sorry, a young uh, Ignac- Ignacio, mm-hmm. and how they grew up with each other. I was like, I was more invested into that backstory and like their relationship and their love for each other as kids than I was invested with them as adults. Mm-hmm. And that's like the first half of the movie. But when the reveal starts happening, when Enrique finds out that like Angel's not who he says he is, mm-hmm. and how like one is kind of like using the other i got more invested because now i'm like okay cool i'm seeing like these betrayals happening in front of my eyes mm-hmm. and it seemed like there was a bit of bit of a m- more build-up that was like almost kind of messy yeah because like like i said and like how you said at the beginning of the movie it's just like what the fuck is going on now i think that they did a disservice by showing um zahara first mm, yeah i think if they would have done it chronologically mm-hmm. like a little more chronologically if they could have yeah where um maybe those two meet up in the room mm-hmm. but you know in the beginning when he's trying to look for work yeah um i think that would that was fine but then they should have stuck with the boys a little more like, yeah absolutely really flesh out that relationship yeah um because i didn't think i didn't feel like we got enough of that to mm-hmm. really warrant mm. the story yeah because like like as a, you know as the synopsis says it shows the effects of the franco era religious schooling you know and a sexual abuse um now i'm not saying they should have like stuck on that more like we like saw we didn't need anything graphic yeah exactly we didn't need anything graphic we got an idea but i wanted we, to see the boys friendship yeah exactly yeah like we can see how how close and tight they were even though like their time together wasn't that long let, let's say because there's really no frame of reference when it comes to the time and the, the time how long they knew each other mm-hmm. um but like 
I kind of felt like we, even if it was like two days or three days or a week or a month or whatever, I kind of felt like we should have gotten more of like how how much they loved each other and how because when Enrique finds out that Ignacio has been dead this whole time, he's like <gasps> like heartbroken, mm-hmm. right? But you're kind of like, but like, is he really heartbroken or is he more heartbroken that Angel lied to him? Yeah, you know, because like. I think he, well, he knew that and had lied to him in the beginning. Like, yeah. he knew there's something wasn't right, and he's like, oh, it's just another actor. Yeah, but he was still, like, shocked. He was still supposed to, like, when he gets, when he's, fun, when, um, what's his name? When, uh, Senior, uh, Peta, Berenguer. Berenguer, when he tells him, like, oh, Ignacio's dead, you know? Oh, no, I, no, I take that back. I take that back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When, uh, Nikki goes and sees Ignacio's mom, and mm-hmm. she tells him, that Ignacio's dead. He's just kind of like, like he's that scene. That scene should have been more impactful. Mm-hmm. It should have been like, oh shit, like yeah, we find out like they're dead and all. Oh, like you're almost heartbroken, but you're just you're kind of just left to like, all right, well he he's bothered by us, but it, it's not it doesn't seem like it really affects him too much. It's weird because there's almost like two points where there's reveals mm-hmm. of the same thing, mm. like. He finds out from Ignacio's mother that Ignacio's dead. Mm-hmm. Then he also finds out from Senor Berenguer mm. that Ignacio's dead. Yeah. And then it's like, did they want to shoot their shot, basically? Yeah. With the mother yeah. or with the ex-father? Yeah. And they chose the ex-father. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so I think that's why. Yeah, it's, but it's weird that he shouldn't have had to go find the mother then to find out about Ignacio. Mm-hmm. Um, he they should have they should have just waited for Senor Berenguer. Yeah, I that I think that I think that would have been that would have been a lot better, especially hearing it from that guy. Yeah, who like kept them apart. That would have been more like. I, like I would have got a sense of like sadness and like rage at the same time if they did that first, mm-hmm. as opposed to like, well, here he knows. Yeah. All right, we got this. Like, like there's that scene where Enrique's talking talking to Ignacio's mom, and you see the two pictures of of Juan, who's Angel. No, I'm sorry, Angel. Angel. And and Ignacio, and when she like tells him Ignacio's dead, and she he's like. I don't know. Like he doesn't have that much of a facial expression, but when when he when she's like, "Oh, that's his brother," he's more like, "Oh." Well, because he knows who it is. Like he knows now who he's been talking to. Yeah, but don't you think like it would have been more impactful? <sighs> like <laughs> I think it would have been more impactful if he would have reacted more to the death than to the fact that he's been boning his lover's brother. Yeah, lover's little brother. Yeah. Um. I did, I did like the fact that um, that whole reveal about Angel and the and the father, the mm-hmm. priest, and like how he essentially like fucked open the priest. Yeah, I kind of well, because I remember when we were watching it, I'm thinking like, because the priest gets fucked over, like his wife leaves him, his son won't talk to him. You know, he's like broke, he lost his job and everything. Mm-hmm. Like there was a point in me, I was just like, oh, I feel bad for that guy. And then, like, a split second, I was like, no, fuck that guy. (laughs) (laughs) But see, I think that goes into that dude's performance. Who's his, what, Luis Hormel? His performance was fucking amazing. He really sold the shit out of that character. Yeah. And I think that's 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 what's kind of drawn me in of, like, I don't feel so bad for this guy. But, yes, I really hate this guy at the same time. Exactly. Um, 
This one is another one. The reason why we chose it, mm-hmm. it was hard to kind of pair anything up with. Nobody <laughs> yeah. knows I'm here. Yeah, it was like difficult as shit. Um, but we kind of stuck with bad education um, for a couple reasons. Um, it's a, another, you know, Spanish movie. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it deals with identity. Yeah. So, like, it's not exactly the same thing, right? Mm. But, like, this one's got a lot, like, kind of dirtier yeah, the overtones. Ra- yeah, the rating's, like, overtones. They show straight, said, they straight show butt sex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this movie's, like, NC-17, so it's a bit more, it's a bit more crass when it comes to, like, the description of, um, of the character, the character development. Mm-hmm. Um, the, okay, so the whole thing about identity... What would you, what would you say would be the identity issues with this one, like with the characters? Um, I, I think it kind of goes into the stereotype of like, I hope I'm doing this justice because I don't have these issues, but there's mm. a stigma out there that says that boys will become gay because they've been violated by another man, mm. or they might even go so far as to be a transvestite. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know that exists out there and I know it's not true. Yeah. Right. But it's out there. So like there's this whole identity thing where it, it makes you as a viewer kind of wonder, you know, like that child, his life was taken mm-hmm. from the, the, he was a literature teacher. Yeah. Um, Senor Berenguer. He was a literature teacher um, at this, you know, this school um, that took advantage of him. He basically took his childhood away. Yeah. And he became a transvestite who was trying to transition even further, but also was a junkie. Yeah. Um, And so that person never got to fully realize their identity. Mm -hmm. So it's like two things, right? I know I didn't really transition very well from that, but it's (laughs) like the whole stereotype of someone becoming something else because someone did something to them, Mm -hmm. which isn't true. But also that person is a junkie because they couldn't process their feelings about what happened to them. So their life got stolen in that way. Yeah. And even like how, um, how Angel was like stealing his brother's identity to like get ahead as, a, as an actor. So that's the thing that I didn't understand. Uh, it just <sighs> it, it it seemed kind of harsh as mm-hmm. a story. Like I know that kind of thing exists, but they didn't make it realistic enough for me. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Like families in Hispanic or Latino culture or whatever. They're usually very close. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't see someone's younger brother. Um, I guess he's, didn't he mention something about the fact that he's my brother? Like he blamed him for being made fun of when he was younger because you know, when you have a brother like that, you also don't get to live the life that you want. Yeah, he he went off to that and he even went, to, went as far as to justify essentially having a hand in his brother's death by saying um oh the way how my brother is you know it's causing my mom's illness to decline okay so it does kind of make sense but i don't think they really 
Hammer that um, hammered out. it in like yeah it wasn't like it should have been in the forefront a little bit more mm, i think yeah so that you're not like why is he running around stealing his brother's identity it doesn't make any sense yeah and, he, and his brother for for how his brother can be smart and to like kind of do what he can to get to develop an acting career mm-hmm. he's at the same time pretty stupid because if he didn't put two and two together the reason why his brother is one of the reasons why his brother's fucked up is because of the the priest or the father mm-hmm. and yet he's working with the father to help kill the brother and it's like yo dude you just helped like your you just helped your brother's molester murder him yeah and i know he was like he took advantage of him but it shows like how much of a scumbag his how much of a scumbag that his how much is coming to how unhell uh, is mm-hmm. this is that as i think more about this movie there's like not a whole lot of people to like in this movie mm-hmm. you feel kind of bad for enrique but even enrique was just like yeah i know you were you were Ignacio, but i just want to see how far you can go yeah and i was just like why <laughs> yeah <laughs> um the other issue with him pretending to be his brother mm. is not only did he form a relationship with his molester, mm. but why would you want to steal the identity of someone that you seem to have hated mm. um, and then try to bring their story to light at the same time? Like, like you, almost, he almost made it sound like he, it was for altruism, like, mm. like he wanted his brother's story told. Mm. But he was stealing his identity and he was fucking his molester. Like, like I did, it just like didn't quite add up for me. Mm-hmm, okay. <clears throat> I think that kind of... Like, I could understand that he was yeah. upset with him for his childhood because everyone made fun of him that his brother was a transvestite. Yeah. But I don't understand. He didn't even seem gay in the beginning when oh, you I meet know. Juan. Yeah. yeah. He seemed like a kind of jockish younger brother. Yeah, I, yeah, I kind of, I think that's one of the, um, that's one of the, the uh, what's it called, one of the movies like downfalls is like that character mm-hmm. because I think I think like when they were trying to put like three characters, they were trying to have, um, uh, what's his name, uh, I forgot the actor's name for some reason now, uh, Gil Garcia, but now when they had him doing like three, essentially kind of like three personalities, mm-hmm. I don't know, it seemed like something. Uh, it seemed like maybe they couldn't figure out exactly how to do his story or his plot or mm-hmm. his his arc. They didn't have they didn't know how to do his arc correctly. It's hard to do someone's arc when that person part of that person's arc is to pretend to be someone else. Yeah. So then they lose their identity yeah. in the story. And even though the the uh, actor who played Ignacio, um, the, uh, the uh, an older version of Ignacio, I was more I was more into that character. Mm-hmm. Because as we see Ignacio older, you know, transvestite, got a uh, breast and everything, a junkie. I still want to follow more of that character, even though he can be an asshole at times. Mm-hmm. I still want to get into their story. Yeah, you know, li- I mean, we've we see him as a childhood, but I want to see like after um, after he leaves the school, mm-hmm. what happened further on and stuff like that. Right. I was more invested in that, and I was kind of more invested in the father, even though the father was piece of shit. But that's that's just kind of that just goes into the guy, the the actor. Who played him? Who played yeah. him so well? Um, and Enrique, I think Enrique was all right. There were times where I was really digging the the character, mm-hmm. but he really came off as like 
like a like a what's it called like a third wheel yeah or like an afterthought yeah i kind of think that he has i felt like he had the acting chops like they had him cast right yeah mm. i felt like the director didn't do it right mm. i think i don't think it was directed right okay like he should have asked for more mm. in the right spots like that whole reveal thing mm. um but he mostly kind of came off as a dick mm. so i'm not really sure about oh okay so um, i'm i'm going through the imdb trivia um so according to reports gail garcia Bonal suffered under pedro amal Devar, directorial method apparently put immense pressure on him to point to the point where the actor ended up crying in the halls and in the need of the whole production to pause for one whole week for Banal to rec- recover from stress. Wow. So that stress kind of bled into that performance because it was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. Maybe he over-directed then. Yeah. Some people do that. I I saw, like, um, I saw an article about um, Christopher Nolan. Oh, about, like, his, uh, suppose, like, there's no chairs on set or something like that? Yeah. I heard, I I think I I, I saw a follow-up. He was just like, no, that story's not true. Really? I, to tell you the truth, I wouldn't put it past, I wouldn't actually put it past that that story to be true. Because one of the things I've heard, one of the stories I've heard about director's work, um, Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick was like treated. Um, oh, I forgot what her name. Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall. He treated her like garbage mm-hmm. on the set of The Shining. He like stressed her the fuck out. Yeah. Um, and that's an example of when that that goes right. Yeah, it does add more for to the, the story, yeah, not the for the go- person. But yeah, it goes it goes for the character. But like, is is like, did you not rely on her acting chops to get her through this? Like, yeah. Damn. Um, but back to the Christopher Nolan thing, um, uh, Quentin Tarantino has said during interviews, he goes, he has said, like, on my set, nobody's allowed to have their phone on them. Oh, yeah, Christopher Nolan, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the same article, like, no phones and no chairs. Like, <laughs> you know, like, if, would, you're, if you're sitting, you're not working. That would not do favors for me for my back. No. I'd be like, yo, I gotta sit down, man. I was on the fucking floor. <laughs> fuck you, Intenant. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but no, fuck you, Intenant. Inception. You anyway, like Inception. I do like Inception, but after having a good, hearty discussion with a friend of ours, yeah, fuck that movie. Really? <laughs> yeah, because it's very problematic when it comes to like um, how. I mean, this is a completely different subject, obviously, but how like Leonardo DiCaprio's character essentially like gaslit the fuck out of his wife. Oh and yeah, he, and she's the reason. Like, he's the reason he's in this shit. And he's trying to, like, course correct that by manipulating somebody else. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, it's just like, hmm. But, I mean, it, there's other things, too, but it's just like, I have a problem with that. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. looks phenomenal. You have a problem with that, but I think that's actually something that could happen in real life. No, yeah, it does happen in real life, but just, like, how people give that movie high praise, but they don't see, they don't see it past the rotating room. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so who do you think who do you think did it better when it came to like stuff I did through a fucked up prison? Okay, I'm gonna say nobody knows I'm here did it better. Mm. They told a better story, mm. but I feel like bad education had a better story. Mm. 
Do you know what, you know what I'm saying? Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Like, okay. Well, there's a little switcheroo. <laughs> I feel like Nobody Knows I'm Here was directed more put together and with more thought and purpose. Mm. Um, and Bad Education was kind of a free-for-all. Yeah, they were... Uh, but it had a better story. Yeah, I, I, I will second that. Bad Education did have a better story, Um but I think I think some of that that better story gets um, not muddled. But I think the director kind of was like losing where to take this thing as we got close to the third act. It almost kind of felt like he was writing it while he was directing it. Yeah, because there's like there's like twists and turns. It was just like oh, like I I did like the steps of the reveal. Mm-hmm. Like we got to this reveal. Okay, cool. We got to this reveal. But now it was just like now we're just going kind of going all over the place to try to try to wrap up everything in a nice book. Mm-hmm. And I. The one thing I don't really, I I actually have a serious issue with is near the is at the end, where uh, Enrique gets the last letter the, or the letter that Ignacio was going to write to him, mm-hmm. and then like he's looking at the letter, and then like we get like a bit of like, um, what's it called? We get some text to let you know what happened to each character. Mm-hmm. I didn't care for that. Mm-hmm. I would I would have I would have just been like, don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. And like this is focused on that because this, from my understanding, I don't think this is really like much of a true story. No. So like, why are we getting that? Like, I don't. I like. I honestly <laughs> didn't. I didn't need that. I didn't need that epilogue. Yeah. I didn't need that at all. Like, just have him read the letter, and then like end it. That would have been a beautiful ending. Yeah. But we got that bullshit. Like, you know, the father was killed. You know, <laughs> hit by a car, and it was driven by Angel. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Um, oh, you know what's funny? Hmm. Um, nobody knows I'm here and Bad Education both had Angel. Uh, oh. <laughs> both assholes. <laughs> yeah. A is for Angel and asshole. Yeah. Um, so I think the whole the self-identity or the topic that we that we did for this episode, I think um, nobody, knows, nobody Knows I'm Here does it way better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like and I will go along with, I will agree with what Kelsey said. It's better. Nobody knows I'm here. Is better beautifully shot. Mm. Um, That's funny. <laughs> you just talked about me in the third person. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, uh, but yeah, it. Uh, but uh, what's it called? <laughs> Bad education. Yes, it, it does. The story is a little bit better. A little bit more engaging. But you start kind of getting confused a little bit. Well, like. and be- and because of what happens to him to, um, um, Ignacio mm. when he's younger, yeah, like you can see a little bit more mm. how that would fuck somebody up than just being tucked away at your uncle's house for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's why I think it's kind of a better story. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I agree. But yeah, definitely, nobody knows I'm here. Is a was better put together and they did the identity thing better yeah so um granted all the shit i did talk about bad education i still think it holds up because i still enjoyed watching it um was more importantly does kelsey think it holds up no no (laughs) no i honestly had to think about if i liked the movie at all Mm. or not after i watched it because yeah. it was just so slow and then kind of confusing and mm. then 
Um, you don't kind of like anybody, and then everything was super fucking 90s, <laughs> even though it was made in 2004. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Zahara had beautiful eyes. That's the actor. That's the, Those are his yeah. eyes. Him, you know what? Him and Ignacio and Enrique mm. all had really pretty eyes. Mm. Agreed. Totally agree. Mm. All right. Anything else you want to add on? We good to go. Good to go. Good to go. All right. Um, so, all y'all folks out there, you can find the podcast. All our episodes on all podcast catchers. Uh, I always seem to forget iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, and other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So next week. Next week, nothing of value is coming out. (laughs) However, we decided to do a special episode for the 4th of July weekend. We are going to talk about Born on 4th of July, the Oliver Stone directed film starring uh, Tom Cruise. Um, if you guys want to watch it, well, we highly recommend we highly recommend you guys watch this movie uh, before uh, you listen to the next episode. Uh, it is on Star, it's on Star Streaming Service. You can also read it on Amazon, YouTube, and Apple iTunes. This is actually going to be an interesting one because Kelsey's never seen it, and I've never seen it. Mm. It's been on my radar for a while, but I've actually never seen it, and I really can't wait to dive in. Most likely, we are just going to just... It'll probably be a short episode, and we'll just talk about the movie. You know what's funny? What's funny? We opened this episode of our podcast mm. with Tom Cruise. Uh, and we're closing it out again <laughs> with Tom Cruise because <laughs> he's in this movie. <laughs> so the topic of that episode will be America. Fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we're gonna bid you guys adieu. We hope all of y'all are being safe. Um, you know, wash your damn hands. Be careful when the cops pull you over because they are some of them are killers. Fuck you guys for thinking otherwise. Anyway. Or at the very least, closet racists. Or closet. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Fuck the stories I've been reading. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's about it. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting something. No, nothing. All right, that's just me then. Okay, so I'm going to close this episode out with a little story. It's a very, pretty intense story. So I, I used to own a dog. German Shepherd. His name was Quincy. You can never own a dog. Oh, the dog owns me. They're just part of your family. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. They're cats. You can never own a cat. The cat owns you. Yeah. And dogs is, you can never own a dog. They're just part of your family. Yeah. Well, I had my little brother. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a dog. His name was Quincy. It's a beautiful German Shepherd dog. <clears throat> and um, one day... Well, I, uh, this dog was so part of my life that this dog and I actually used to even sit and watch the movies together. It was it was a very beautiful thing. And uh, one day, I was playing fetch with the dog. And I was playing fetch with Quincy. And I, I did that thing that everybody does, where you have the ball, and you, like, throw it, and you have it again, and then you, like, pretend to throw it, and there, the dog runs, and he's like, where's the ball, and everything, and show him the ball, and they're like, oh, shit, oh, it, was, it was always in your hand, you know? So... Threw the ball, came back, pretended to throw it, dog ran, dog didn't see it. The dog slowly walked back to me. It was very, 
weird, psychotic-looking manner. And at that moment, we locked eyes, and we locked minds as the dog was speaking to me. And he said these words that will forever haunt me. I think I've just lost my faith at this moment, so I no longer believe in God or hell. As I don't believe in hell, I'm not afraid. And without fear, I'm capable of anything. (laughs) 